and it has uh, lit a fire within me. I'm telling you, I've just been refreshed. It's just good to sit under the Word. It's just, God's Word is the most refreshing thing there is. And um, I have found in times where I'm feeling weak or I'm feeling not quite all there, uh, if I just just get away and read it, read the Bible, I mean, I, anything will do. It's exciting to be in the Old Testament and see what God did for people that weren't even really under His covenant. Uh, people that were straying left and right, but He still came through for them. Grace and mercy was all over that. And then you get in the New Testament, you find out we've got even a better covenant than that. I mean, I can... It doesn't matter what book I open, it strengthens me and it refreshes me. And so it's been awesome these last few days to to get to sit under that word. Um, just to let you know, down in St. Augustine, those people love you guys. They're praying for us. They are pushing for us, pulling for us. Uh, they're excited about everything that's doing here, uh, that, that that's going on here. And um, so be be excited about that. I know you can't see what's going on there. You can't see all those people. But there's a group down there um, that knows what we're doing. They're, they're, they're in one accord with us, agreement with us that everything we do here is profitable, that it's prosperous, and that we are doing kingdom work in Valdosta. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, um, if you will turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. <clears throat> I am starting a new series today called If. If, this is a question we ask a lot, if, uh, if this, if that, if I feel like it, if I want to, uh, if it's supposed to happen, we ask this question a lot, and um, today, what, what I'm wanting to deal with in this next series, I'm not exactly sure how long we'll go um, with it, God just started to kind of give me a word and... Um, just kind of started to show some stuff to me. And um, what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks is the will of God. And when we get into the will of God, this is a question. Two, it's a tiny little word. Little itty bitty thing seems so harmless. So, you know, fearless. But this word right here is holding a lot of people back. This two-letter word right here with a question mark on it. If, if, if. And the, the question came up in the Bible with Jesus. There were a lot of people that came up and said, If it's your will. If it be done. If. And so I want to answer the question in these next few weeks on if. I want to answer that question. Um, I believe, as believers, um, that we don't have to walk through this life in a guessing game. Um, I believe that God wants us to know his will. Um, and that's what we're going to go through. That's what we're going to outline. We've taken on this mentality that, um, you know, if it's God's will, it will happen. If he wants us to know it, it he will show us. Um, and yes, there are things that God hides. There are things that God withholds at certain points. Even Jesus had a conversation with his disciples and he said, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it. That was the limit. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want to tell them. It was that they couldn't handle what he was about to tell them. So what I want to cover in these next few weeks is 
what, what's limiting us? What's keeping us from knowing God's will? There's parts of God's will that you can know now and that every believer should know immediately. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, we almost all know that verse, for I know the plans I have for you. Thank God he made plans. Thank God he didn't just sporadically throw this thing together, spontaneously say, oh, let's see, let's let there be light, and let's create some trees, and then let's create some animals and some water, and then let's put two people on it and see what they do with it. He had a plan the whole time. This is what's cool. The Bible says that he had a plan to redeem man before he even messed up. It says before the age before the age of time, before the beginning of time. So before man messed up, God already knew how he was going to get man out of the mess. That's exciting. That's awesome to know. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. Why? Because there's things that we're going to get into in tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and ten years down the road. And the Holy Spirit's already been there and knows how to get us out of what we're going to get into. That's exciting. So how do we figure that out? How do we keep from going, how do we keep from going to this if question and going to, aha, I know. Because every time someone brought an if question to Jesus, his answer was, I will. I will. There's no if about it. I'm letting you know my will. So I want to start off today talking about what does God look like? That's a, that's a big question. What does God look like? I took the time uh, to Google what God looks like. Because Google, answer, Google answers everything, right? The Internet is always right. The, answer, the Internet does not lie. So, uh, Brent, if you would, throw up that first picture. What does God look like? This is the first image that comes up. Now, again, we're asking God stuff. We want to know His will. We want to know that He's got our best interest. Does this like, look like someone you want to go to and say, what do you have for me? This is like someone, I mean, this is scary. Big old long white, doesn't even wear any clothes. I mean, put something on, God. Well, come on. Just, just hanging out with the, with the, look at his eyebrows just staring at you. Just like, you messed up and I'm going to burn you. I'm going to burn you, right? I'll let you move one step forward, but now I'm going to have to take you back a little. It's just, he's playing a chess match with us and however we respond, that's, that determines his response, right? Throw up that second pic- picture for me. Just, just these pictures, this just not, does not look like someone I want to pray to on a daily basis. doesn't look like someone that's got my best interest at heart. Not very loving. Not very kind-hearted. Not someone that's giving you something and, and get, got a, giving you a life with purpose. And, and take a look at this third one. This actually came up. <laughs> Yeah, so this is why we have this picture of God that's just ready to condemn people to hell, even though he's made full provision for people to get to heaven. we got this guy, he's, I mean, his eyes are glowing. You see that? His eyes are literally burning, and he's peeking through the clouds. See that? Saying, what are they doing now? What, 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 what can I do? Yeah, what's all that light behind him? Fire, is, is he... Looking at us from hell, or I don't know what's going on there. So this is the image that people have of God. 
So now you can understand why we ask if. And it's a measly if. I'm going to tell you the first concept, the first concept to getting this picture out of our head, to answering the question if, the first concept is understanding relationship. That's the first concept. And so we're, we're trying to develop a relationship with the God that that does not look like someone that wants to develop a relationship with me. And we all know relationships go two ways. I can have a, 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 I can have a limited relationship with someone by reaching out to them, but if they don't correspond the action, the relationship is limited. There's a wall there. We know this. I mean, it, 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 marriage relationships, father-son relationships, mother-daughter relationships, uh, co-workers, employees to employers. These relationships are limited if there's no corresponding action on both parties. Let me go ahead and give you my first point this morning. Confidence in a person is built by a proper relationship between the two parties. Confidence. You only ask if, if there's no confidence. So confidence is what we need to build up as believers. We know, we know who God is. We know that He loves us. But our image is skewed a little bit. Some of us were raised knowing that God is just waiting to send a lightning bolt down on you if you mess up. Uh, some of us were raised believing that God handpicks certain people to do certain things and even handpicks certain people to get into his kingdom. That he's predestined all this stuff, that man's will has nothing to do with it. There's different mentalities that are out there. But I want to look at the Bible's mentality, amen? I want to line up with what the Bible says. And so confidence in God, the way we get rid of this if question is developing that confidence, but it comes through a proper relationship. So today I want to show you how we should view our relationship with God, but I also want to show you how God views our relationship with Him. I want to show you both ways. Because if I only show you how we should reach out to God, and I don't show you His corresponding action to us, then we're not answering all the questions. And there will still be some ifs there. That's where the ifs come in. So take a look at this in John chapter 11, verse 41. John 11, verse 41. Uh, again, a little backstory. This is where Jesus is getting ready to raise Lazarus. And so you got all these people standing around this tomb. There's, all, there's a whole group, a whole multitude here. There's a lot of people. Jesus has already waited four days to raise his friend when he got the call several days earlier. And he said, I'll be there in a few days. He waited. He was in no rush. Lazarus died. His sisters, Mary and Martha, get on the scene and they say, Jesus, had you only been here sooner? See, their, their, their confidence in God was limited to if Jesus had been there sooner. And Jesus is about to stretch that. But look what Jesus says in verse 41. He's getting ready to pray, or he's praying to his father. It says, And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father. Right there, he's determining the relationship. Father. I thank you that you have heard me. 
have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. This is interesting to me because Jesus is praying a prayer to his father, which he did very often. But in this particular instance, he's not even praying for himself. He's praying so everyone else may see and understand that he is who he says he is. He's doing it for everyone else. He's praying a prayer in that instance so those that don't believe, those that have the if question, will understand. But what does he do? He labels out the relationship. Now, we know that the relationship, uh, that, that confidence is not built by just a relationship. It's not built by a bloodline. I know some people that have no more confidence in their parents than the man on the moon. Because of the way they were raised and, and, and whatnot. Just because their blood doesn't establish automatic confidence. A position doesn't establish automatic confidence. There are people that don't have confidence in a president just because he's a president. They want to see action. We want to see something done. You, you, you build the confidence in me. So, Jesus here, first he identifies his relationship. He says, Father... And then he says, I thank you that you have heard me. Not only that, but I thank you that you hear me every time. How many of us can pray that way? We ought to. We ought to be able to pray every time, knowing that he hears us every time. God does not have a deaf ear to his people. But when we believe that, when we fall into that and say, well, I don't know if he's really hearing us. I remember... um, most some of you may know, some of you may not, but my wife and I back in 2008 got pregnant, and um, at about 20 about 20 weeks, she came down with some very severe symptoms, and they put her on bed rest and put her in the hospital. And so we had people coming through, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, we had to be very careful. We had to be very careful who we talked to, who we let in the room. All kinds of people want to come by, all kinds of friends and old pastors and, and, the, and whatnot. And they, they have caring hearts, they have loving attitudes, and, and they're there to care for you. But I remember um, one of her old youth pastors came by. And, um, uh, he, you know, he was just offering words of encouragement, just telling us he was there for us, uh, you know, praying for us and whatnot. And um, he told us, he, he looked me in the eye and he said, and if you ever feel like you're talking to a wall, Know that, know that God is there. And it may feel like sometimes he doesn't hear you. It may, not, it may feel like sometimes he's not listening. And I said, the Bible tells me he hears me every time I pray. First John tells me that I have this confidence in him. Hebrews tells me that I can boldly go. I mean, I, I told him. And I said, I have no doubt he hears me when I pray. I have no doubt that he hears every word. There's no wall here. See, but that, you know, for some people, that's their mentality. So then the if question comes up, if you think he hears you. There's no if for me. The if is, the if is eradicated by, I hear you. And I have word to stand on. And this word is unfailing. This word is immovable. Okay? So Jesus is saying, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you you always hear me. But why did Jesus have this confidence? Why did Jesus have this confidence? This is the awesome thing. Because a lot of times we assume things about Jesus 
that he automatically had and automatically walked into because he was the son of God. But look at this in John chapter 5, verse 30. Go back just a few more chapters before. This is why he could say what he said in John 11 so confidently. John chapter 5, verse 30 says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Did you know that Jesus had to seek his Father's will? It was not automatically implanted in him. That's amazing. He's saying, I do not seek my own will. Which tells us this. He could have sought his own will. See, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Don't try to figure it out. (laughs) Don't try to figure that one out. But he's 100% God and 100% man, which means he had every opportunity. Uh, Hebrews says that he was tempted on all accounts, just as we are. He had every opportunity to seek his own will. We know in the garden, right before he was getting ready to go to the cross, he said, Father, not my will. He had a will. He had a way. And just as you and I, on a daily basis, he had to seek the Father's will. That's amazing to me. But he had a cultivated relationship. His confidence in his father wasn't because he had come from heaven and, uh, you know, him and God were just automatically tight because this is my son. Come on, we all know as parents, you develop relationships with your children. You don't demand a relationship. It's not automatically there because they came from you. They've got your blood and your DNA. It doesn't happen that way. You develop that just as you do with any other person. And the same with Father God to His Son Jesus. So Jesus had to seek His Father's will. He didn't have the confidence in John chapter 11 just because. He had it because He sought His Father's will. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at some verses here that show us why. Or how he sought his father's will. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and what? Prayed. And there he prayed. That's amazing. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed to his father. And what is prayer? Just communication? Just communicating with his father? Father, what do you want me to do today? Father, what's your will for me today? Father, I want your will. I don't want to seek my own interest. I don't want to seek my own will today. I want to do your will today. I want to be confident in you today. Look on down to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So Luke chapter 11, we're seeing that Jesus was praying once again. And and then when he stopped, his disciples saw that there was so much happening in prayer. That, see, we're always asking Jesus, Lord, teach me to do miracles. Lord, teach me to do signs. Lord, teach me to have faith. And 
his disciples were saying, teach me to pray. Because if I can learn to pray, I'll do all that other stuff. They noticed that the source to Jesus' will and the source to Jesus' power and the source to what he did on a day-to-day basis was his prayer life. His communication with his father. That's why he knew God's will. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Once again, Jesus is in prayer. And this time he's taking his disciples with him. This time he's brought his disciples with him and saying, let me show you. You know why he took his disciples with him? Because over in John chapter 17, he says, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I want you to keep them in the world. And I want them to do in the world what I've done in the world. So he knew if they're going to do what I did, they're going to have to have the same source that I have, and that is communication with the Father. They're going to have to develop and cultivate an intimate relationship with my Father. Everything Jesus did, go, go through the Bible, everything he did, I don't do it on my own will. I don't do it on my own initiative. I don't say what I want to say. I don't do what I want to do. I don't even go where I want to go. It's based on the Father. The only way you can have that kind of uh, conviction in your life is I do what the Father does is by communicating with Him. Very simple. And so Jesus made time to pray. One more verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that He went out to the mountain to pray. And look at this. And continued all night in prayer. All night. And if you continue to read on down, you'll find that he actually gets up the next morning and then spends the rest of the day doing miracles. Why? Because he knew his father's will. My father's will is to heal. My father's will is to cast out demons. My father's will is to set to, to freedom those that are bound. To bring liberty to captives. He knew that. Not just because he had an intuition, not because he was the son of God, because he spent time and he sought God's will. We have to seek God's will. Jesus was no different. Jesus was a man. He was on this planet for 33 years seeking God's will. We have to do the same thing. And look what this did for him. John chapter 6. Look at what he says, John chapter 6, verse 38. John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven to do what I want to do. <laughs> he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. Look at that. He was so confident in the will of God that he could actually tell people what it was. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus was so confident in the will of the Father For his life that not only did he know it, but he could communicate it. There was no ifs in Jesus' life. There was no ifs in Jesus' ministry. 
He was led by the Spirit of God, and he was in constant communication with God, and that led to confidence in his ministry. You can't find anything that, ju- that Jesus did with an if or let's try it out, let's see if it works. I'll try and lay hands on you and if it works. Now his disciples, they, there was an instance where uh, a man brought his, uh, I think it was demon-possessed son, and his disciples couldn't get it done. <laughs> and so Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, how much longer do I have to bear with you guys? You guys are still asking the if question. I've taught you how to pray. I've taken you to the mountain. But all you do is fall asleep. Right? Garden of Gethsemane. They couldn't, can't you tarry with me just one hour? They got them over there sleeping on some rocks. Fluffing up a nice area of leaves. And let's just doze on off. And Jesus is over here sweating blood. <laughs> What, what was the difference? He had a confidence because he knew communication with my father. It's not just something I do. It's not just, you know, hey, how you doing? It's how I know God's will for my life on an everyday basis. And so he said, bring that boy to me. And he healed him because he knew he had confidence in his father. John chapter 7, verse 28. Next chapter over. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Why did he know him? Why did he have this confidence? Because he spent time. He communicated with his father. And he said, you don't know him, because you don't spend time. He didn't say, you can't know him. He said, you don't know him. you got to do what I do. Not be what I am, not be the Son of God, do what I do. Pray, communicate, spend time. I mean, we all know as, as parents, uh, spouses, uh, we've talked about, I think we just talked about it when we did our 180 series talking about relationships. Relationships just don't happen automatically by themselves. You're purposeful. When you're dating somebody, you're writing letters, you're calling them, you're letting them know, hey, I'm, I'm interested in you. I mean, there's, there's things going on to develop the relationship. And God's saying, I want to have that same relationship with my people. One more verse, John chapter 4, verse 31. John chapter 4, verse 31. This is how, this is how in tune God was, or uh, Jesus was to God's will. He lived off of it. John chapter 4, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was so in tune with God's will, he said, I live off of it. What's food? It's your daily bread. It's what fuels you. It's what gives you energy. It's what gives you life. You don't eat, you die. He said, if I don't know God's will, I'm nothing. 
That's what he's saying. It is my food. It's what I eat. It's what I live off of. It's what I feed on on a daily basis. God's will. That's how important it was for Jesus to know his Father's will. That's the, the, the value that he placed on knowing God's will. And that's why he spent so much time in prayer. Why do you need to spend all night in prayer? Because you're living off of it. That's your daily bread. That's your daily bread. That's my food. That's what keeps me going. Now look at this. The, 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 the struggle that people have, the, the struggle that people run into in their prayer life is like I said earlier, there's that if question. If he hears me. If he's listening. If he wants to answer my prayers. Remember I said a while back when I was talking about prayer, I said we're not a church that prays. We are a church that has answers to prayer. There's a lot of people that pray. In fact, there are other religions that are more dogmatic about praying than we are. They have a certain time of day. They face a certain direction. They got a certain thing that they pray every time. I mean, they're more ritualistic and, and religious about it than we are. We might pray over our food or say a quick prayer at bed, but do we ever really communicate with the Father? But the difference between us and them is we got someone on the other end. We're not picking up a phone that is a, has a disconnected line. They're praying to something dead. They're praying to something that doesn't exist. They're praying to something that cannot respond to them. But we have someone on the other end. This is where boldness comes in prayer. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How many people are boldly praying? We whip up a prayer real quick when something gets real bad, or we whip up a prayer, but are we boldly entering the throne of grace? Are we going in? This is talking about making a demand. Did you know you can make a demand on God? Because the Bible says His promises are yes and amen to those who believe. So I can make a demand. When sickness tries to attack my body, I can go in and make a demand. Father, you said you sent your word and healed them of all their diseases. You said that your son took stripes on his back for my healing. So I make a demand on my healing. I boldly come before your throne of grace and I make a demand on the healing you've already made available. I'm not asking if. I'm not saying if you feel like it, if it's your will, if you can. I'm saying, Father, you have done it. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. That's knowing God's will. And that comes in communication. And that comes in knowing his word. See, I can't make a demand on healing if I don't know 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. I can't, I can't make a demand uh, on a financial blessing if I don't know uh, that Philippians 4.13 says, uh, or uh, 
Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I am blessed according to His riches, that all my supply, uh, that I have all my needs met according to His supply. See, if I don't know the Word, then I have nothing to, to feed off of. But see, Jesus, He never had to ask if. He never had to go in it with half-heartedly or half-knowing or trying it out or seeing if it works. He knew. He was confident. He was boldly going in and casting out demons. Boldly stepping out on a boat and saying, winds and waves, stop, peace, be still. Boldly. Because he had confidence from communicating with his Father. People struggle in knowing God's will for their lives because of unhealthy relationships. Because of an unhealthy relationship with their father. This is where the struggle comes in. The struggle isn't because God's withholding something. In fact, we're going to take a look at some point in this series, and I'm going to go through every verse that tells you to gain understanding or to gain knowledge, that he wants you to know. He wants you to know. God, he's not trying to, uh, and we're also going to look at the mystery. We're going to look at why God hides something. Because he does hide it. Jesus called, uh, in, in Matthew 13, he called it the mystery of the kingdom. Paul talks about revealing the mystery. We're going to talk about why it's a mystery. But it's not hidden so you can't find it. It's hidden so you will find it. But we're going to look at that. It's not because God's trying to hide something. It's not because he's limiting you. It's not because he's trying to figure out if that's what he wants to do for you. We limit it because of an unhealthy relationship. I'm going to tell you right now, when you fix the relationship, you'll get all the answers. When you fix the relationship, you will not have an if. See, I have a great relationship with my dad. So there's not a lot of ifs. But even more than that is a spiritual father who has no limits. See, my dad's going to have a limit at some point. My, my dad is a very helpful dad. He's been absolutely awesome in my life and still to this day. There, there's, not a, there's not a whole lot that if I asked him to do it. I mean, if I, asked, if I said, I need you to be here right now, he'd be here. He'd do it. I remember one time, man, I got, you know my my driving <laughs> history, and I remember I was uh, 18 or 19, I was probably 19, no, I was probably still 18, so this was my first year in Bible school, and I was in Oklahoma, <clears throat> and I got a pretty hefty ticket, and um, I had to go to court, I had to go, they didn't get no fine, probably could have arrested me on the spot, but... Um, I had to go to court, and um, I called my dad. I knew even though it was trouble, he's going to be there for me. I had a confidence because I developed a relationship with my father. I didn't shut him out of my life. He didn't shut me out of, out of his. We had a great relationship. So even though I was in trouble, I had a, I had a he was in, um, you know, back home in Fort Worth, and I'm up in Tulsa. We're five hours apart. And I had a, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning, I had to be there. 
And he left at like four, you know, three o'clock in the morning and attended that court date with me. And then we went and had breakfast and he went back home. But that was because of confidence. I didn't call him with a severed relationship hoping he would help me out. I developed the relationship. Because if I had a severed relationship, even if I did call him, there's no confidence. Hey, uh, it's been a while. How you doing? I mean, you're, you're hesitating just to get to the point. You don't even want, yeah. And a lot of us do that with God. Don't call me, I'll call you. When I get in a tight bind. But he's calling us. He's, he's given us access. He says boldly enter. Like he, not only does he want you to come to him, but he doesn't want you to come to him measly and whiny. And you know, parents, you don't like that. Dad, no, you just, just get it out, son. What do you need? What can I do for you? And on top of that, it's not just a natural dad, it's a spiritual dad that is waiting to bless us. Waiting for us to ask. And we're here, you know, hiding. Look in the garden when Adam and Eve messed up. Who went to who? God went to Adam, knowing he messed up, and said, where are you? And who was hiding? Adam. God wasn't hiding and saying, well, come find me now. See, see how it is now. And ever since then, he's been trying to restore that relationship. He hates it. He hates that sin got in the way. He hates that sin separates. He hates that. That's why he went to the greatest, most dramatic answer possible in sending his only son to die for us because that's how much he hates sin getting in the way of this relationship he wants that relationship with you let's go a little further in hebrews chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Why? Because that's what separates you. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Full assurance. If is not a full assurance word. If is a doubting, wavering word. That's why he said, get rid of the evil conscience. Why? The conscience is what's separating you from God. You think you're not worthy. You think you can't do it. You think it's not available to you. You think there's still something separating you. And he said, I sent my son to eradicate the sin, eradicate the death, which is separation between us, so we can have a restored relationship. Ask me boldly. Enter boldly. Come confidently. Don't, don't ask me if. Don't tell me if. There's no if about it. 
I sent my son to get away from the if. To get away from the evil conscience. The sin we remember, but he doesn't. He's saying, man, I threw that in the sea. Quit fishing it back out. I've separated as far as the east is from the west. You can't even run it down. We're saying, but God, I did this. He did it in spite. The Bible says that he came even while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to get it right. He did it while you were still in the wrong with no guarantee you'd get it right. And now you have access because of what Jesus did. That gives us confidence. Let's get rid of the if. Let's get rid of the if. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. This was to old covenant people. Jesus hadn't died yet, and he's still saying, look, if you would just get away from this, and seek this, I'll hear you, I'll hear you and heal you. This, Jesus hadn't even died yet. The way hadn't even been made. What we just read about in Hebrews chapter 10, the veil hadn't even been torn yet. And he's telling people, his people, turn from your wicked ways, seek my face, communicate with me, spend time with me, cultivate and develop the relationship with me, and I will hear you and I will heal you. There's no if there. Psalms chapter 55 verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon... I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. God will hear your voice. That's confidence. I'm telling you, we will not walk out of here today saying, if he hears me, if he's listening, if that was ever a doubt in your mind or a question in your mind, it's gone. The Bible, we can stand on this word. It, there's no if. 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. Say, I'm confident. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. So it's one thing to know that he hears. It's another thing to know that he's willing to answer what he hears. Confidence. Confidence. There's no if. We're getting rid of the if. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, I had just shown you. That Jesus in his ministry was showing his disciples how to pray. And I, I, what I love about it is in that prayer, we know the Lord's Prayer, he talks about God's will. <laughs> he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he went, went ahead. This is why you pray to know God's will. And God's will is revealed in prayer. 
So if you're having the if you're having the if questions, if we're having the what's his will questions, and I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. In knowing God's will, there's a general and there's a specific. Everybody meets the general. And then the specific is for you. And the specific is what helps you meet the general. The general will of God is that earth looks like heaven. That's the general purpose. That is his will. Genesis 1.26, he gave man dominion to rule over this earth. That is the general will. Whatever your specific will for your life is, will help accomplish the general will. Will help you in your daily life, in your jobs and in your homes, in your families, your marriages, at Walmart, bring heaven to earth. Everywhere Jesus went, he was making, he was bringing heaven to earth. He knew his general assignment. He knew his general will. And so he's praying, what is the specific will? So I can meet the general will. So he knew, when I lay hands on this sick person, I'm bringing heaven to earth. When I tell the storms to stop, I'm bringing heaven to earth because we have control. When I cast out this demon, I'm bringing heaven to earth. When I raise up this dead girl, I'm bringing heaven to earth. That was the general will, and he needed to discover his specific will. And that's where we a lot of times run into the questions. What's the will of God for my life? That's probably one of the most common questions. And the way that comes is in prayer and reading his word. I don't have a one, two, three step. I don't have the detailed listing of you do this and then you do this and then you you drink this and you lay this out and then you... Sorry. I mean, we had Gideon. We had Gideon who's laying out fleeces to, to get confirmation. But he didn't have the Spirit of God inside him. We have the Spirit of God. Now, God will direct us sometimes to do things to reveal to us confirmation. What's he trying to do? He's just trying to help you naturally see that supernaturally he's behind you. That's all he's doing. A lot of times we need that natural thing to just get us over. That's why signs and wonders are there. That's why signs and wonders. I'm telling you, if I, if I opened up a deaf ear and word got out, how many people will we have in here next week? If somebody's arm grows back, how many are going to be here next Sunday to what? See the sign. Because that's what the signs and wonders are for. They're to help you naturally get over to what's supernaturally being done. And that's what Jesus did. He was helping people get rid of the if. But he still had a lot of people. He had blind men coming, if it's your will. People with leprosy, if it's your will. And every time, he's like, I will. It's my will. It's part of my general assignment. i got to bring heaven to earth. So I got to get your body right. I got to get this storm right. I got to get this demon out. Okay? Look at these disciples. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. We know the early church, they're doing signs and wonders. They're doing these remarkable things. Uh, they did everything Jesus did. They were casting out demons. They were 
telling storms to stop. They were laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They were doing what Jesus did. To no surprise, because in John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, To him who believes, greater things will you do. You'll do the same works that I'm doing. But here's why. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. What are they going to do? Pray. The source for Jesus was prayer. If I want to know God's will, I'm going to pray. I'm going to communicate with my Father. That's the pattern Jesus taught us. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. There's no ifs. (laughs) They're not speaking the word of God saying if it works, if it happens, if it's His will. They're speaking it with boldness because they prayed. Boldness came as a result of prayer. Acts chapter 10 verse 9. The next day as they went on their journey and drew Near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. He had a daily time, a daily ritual. This is when I pray. This is when I pray. Why? Because I need to know God's will. I need to know God's will for my day. I need to know uh, God's purpose for my life. I need to know how I'm going to bring heaven to earth today. I need to know who he's, and thank God he did this. Because this chapter, he gets sent on a very important mission to preach to a group of people that had never had Jesus preach to them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and were born again that day. The man and his whole house. Thank God he went up on the housetop to pray. Thank God he wasn't too busy. Thank God he didn't say later. Thank God he made that time. Why? Because there was a purpose and a will that God had for his life for that day. Because there were three men. Let me I'll just give you a quick backstory. There's a man named Cornelius. And God shows him and says, There's a man over in this city. His name is Peter. He's staying in this house. Send men to go get him and have him come preach to you. So he says, Okay. So he sent out these three men. If Peter hadn't prayed, if Peter hadn't taken time to pray, three men from a completely different country that Peter's not supposed to be talking to or hanging out with, Traditionally, he'd have slammed the door in their face. He'd have have sent them on their way. But thank God, he prayed. And God showed him. Sent down a sheet. There's all these things in it. And he says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, I can't eat any of that. He says, do not call unclean what I call clean. If Peter didn't get that trance... If Peter didn't get that assignment from God, if Peter didn't get that revelation in prayer, in communication with his father, three Gentiles would have showed up at his door who he calls unclean, unworthy of receiving the gospel. And that's where the door opened. So the entire, the, so where Paul showed, look, God has no partiality. He's going to put on these people the same thing he put on us. He wants to minister and and get these people saved just as much as us. Thank God he prayed. Thank God he sought God. There was no if. 
the guys didn't come to the door and, and he say, well, if God wants them to be born again, if God wants them to be filled with his spirit, if God wants me to travel all the way to their country to minister to them, there's no if. He had confidence. He said, I was expecting you. And we need to get to a point where we start expecting God to move in our lives instead of asking, will he move in our lives? We need to, start, we need to get to the point where we have an expectancy about what God wants to do through us. I'm expecting God to work through me to minister to someone today. Some client, some coworker, some person at Walmart, I'm expecting God to use me because I've been in prayer and I know his will and he's showing me what he wants to do with my life. We need to get to that point and we can. We can have that confidence. We can have that expectation. We can have that boldness. Access to God is access to His will. Access to God is access to His will. When you get God, you know what He wants you to do. That's why He says boldly come. Look, I'm telling you, we've talked about it before. We've talked about the partnership. We've talked about how God put us on this earth. He needs us. And He needs us to know His will. He needs us to not ask if. He needs us to understand. And as we grow, He'll reveal more to us. I'll tell you, part of that growth is just in obedience to what He's telling us to do today. When He tells us to do something today, we obey that instruction, and then that opens the door for Him to reveal more of His will to us. That opens the door. I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked to people and you know, supported ministries when, when we had staff. And, you know, we got, you know, I'm working in children's ministry and I got people and they're wanting to know God's will for their life. I'm just saying, and I tell them, just keep putting your hand to where you're at today. Just keep being obedient here. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. The steps. You've heard me say it before. If he showed us the whole path, it'd scare us off of it. But he shows us steps. Just stay obedient where you're at today. Be confident where you're at today. And he'll reveal his will to you. I'm confident of that. But as we communicate, as we cultivate, we continue to develop that relationship just like Jesus did. Jesus knew his Father's will because he sought his Father's will. That means it takes priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all things will be added. Seek first. Make a priority. We need to make a priority for prayer. We need to make a priority for His Word. We need to make a habit of being in His Word. Make a habit of daily prayer. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, it doesn't have to be long. You're habitually talking to your Father. i tell you one of the greatest things in my life isn't that I spend an hour or two hours in prayer at a time. It's that I talk to God all day long. I talk to Him in the car. 
Father, I thank you for this day. Father, I'm going to Walmart. Is there anyone you want me to talk to today? Is there someone you're going to place in my life today? Father, I've got to run down to Walgreens. Is there something you want to show me today? And just talk it to him. Father, I love you. You're awesome. You are mighty in my life. Not just when I get in trouble. Not just when things are going wrong. Where are you at, God? I've been here the whole time, but you've been ignoring me. That's the greatest thing, man. All day long. I'm not saying you got to go tonight and burn the midnight oil and stay up all night just praying and running out of words and saying the same thing over and over. Just habitually develop a relationship of talking to God daily, all day. Amen? And we will know God's will because it's priority. Father, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that we don't ask if. But man, we are confident, we are bold, we are excited, expecting you to move through our life. Father, your will for our life, you want us to know it. You want to make it known. You don't want us walking through, the, through darkness and, and wondering if and why and how. But you want to answer the questions in our lives. Father, those of us that are seeking your wills, those of us that are uh, stay in that course, Father, I thank you that as we continue to stay, that it will be easy. That we'll just begin to see your will open up in our life. We'll continue to stay obedient, continue to stay teachable, continue to, to receive your instruction, and you're just gearing us up for the next phase. You're just gearing us up. You're preparing us. You're, you're prepping us. For the next area that your will has for us. And Father, I thank you as we go through this series that we begin to confidently know that you are our God. You have a will, a purpose, a plan for our lives. And you want to reveal it. You're not hiding it. You're not withholding it. You're not playing a game with us it's not a guessing game father but we know with confidence your will and we walk in it in jesus name amen